I'm so excited to be here this morning. Good morning, everyone. I love Emily and Anna from getting to know them at school, and then I've been able to spend the past week with their family, and I feel like I'm now an honorary member of the Espaces. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for being so hospitable to me. Um, everybody at this church has made me feel so welcome, um, and I love it here in Minnesota. The snow is amazing. <laughs> um, when they asked me to preach, I was just super honored that I would be given this opportunity. And so I've just been really intentional over the past couple weeks um, to be in prayer because I wanted to bring a word um, that was not just relevant to me, but a word that the Lord wanted to speak to this house that is relevant for this year um, and for this people. And so if you are in the room today, I really just believe that the Lord has a word for you this morning, um, not at all because of who I am, um, but just because the Spirit desires to speak to you. So I encourage you to lean in for the the next 30 minutes or so, um, and I believe you'll receive a word, but I'm just going to go ahead and open us up with a word of prayer. So dear Jesus, I thank you for this morning. God, I pray that we would just recognize that your Holy Spirit is in this place, that your presence is here. God, I pray that you would soften hearts and open ears to hear exactly what you intend to speak to others as this morning. God, would you have your way? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, this morning, the title of my message is called The Abundance of Abiding. The Abundance of Abiding. And I'm not sure what 2022 looks like for all of you guys. Maybe it was the best year of your life. Maybe it was the worst year of your life. But I have a feeling that regardless of how it went, you are hopeful that 2023 will be even better because we are naturally wired to desire more, to desire abundance, that we serve a glory to glory God. And so we hope that each year will be a glory to glory year. It's, it's in our nature to desire more. It's in our nature to desire abundance. Um, if you plant a crop, you're gonna be hopeful that when the time the harvest comes, that it's gonna be plentiful. Your desire would not be to plant a bunch of potatoes and only have half of the crop show up. Your desire is if somehow the potatoes multiplied and you produced double the amount you planted, you would probably be really excited. If you have a business, your goal would be to sell as much as possible. The more sales, the better. If you're going into the mission field, you wanna see as many souls saved as possible because it is in our nature to desire more. And I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with desiring more for our lives. But where we get it wrong is when we desire more of the things of the world rather than more of the things of God. And we first see this in the Bible um, in Genesis with Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve were the first two people to have the closest to everything on the earth. They had access to almost everything in the garden but one. They were the closest to literally having access to everything, and yet they still desired more of what the world had to offer, and they partake in the one thing that they didn't have. And because of them, sin entered the world, and, and I can't help but wonder if they had instead channeled that desire for more, not into the things of the world, but into the things of God. That if they said, man, I get to walk in the garden with God, I get to know God, but I now I desire even more of his presence. I desire even more of his power. I desire even more of his goodness. I want to know more of what heaven is like. And I wonder what that would have changed for the face of humanity if they had instead desired more of God, that now God would have looked at these two curious people 
and said, man, I got to bring my power outside of just the garden. I got to bring it into the rest of the world. I need to pour out my spirit, not just on Adam and Eve, but on their children and on their grandchildren and on their great grandchildren. But instead, they desired more of the things of the world. And it says they realized their nakedness. They, they were, began to feel shameful and they went into a place of hiding because the desire for more of the world will always lead us into a place of hiding, whereas the desire for more of God will always lead us into a place of abiding. They cannot coexist together. You cannot want the things of the world and want the things of God at the same time. And so today I want to talk about this idea of desiring more, of desiring a life of abundance, being ruled by the things of God rather than by the things of the world. And I believe that this place of abundance stems from abiding, from remaining, from dwelling in the presence of Jesus. For 2023, my goal is that I would see the fullness of God in my life, the fullness of God's riches, the fullness of God's glory, the fullness of God's peace, the fullness of God's joy, and that I will not look to the left, I will not look to the right, I will not look at my lack of, but I will not settle until I have experienced the fullness of God's presence. I want to read out of Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8, and it says this, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, for they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. You see, the scripture tells us that there is a tree that is planted by the water that is always fruitful. There is a tree that is always fruitful, and it is the one that is planted by the water. There is a person that is always fruitful, and it is the one who abides in the presence of Jesus. Now, we're going to be reading out of John 15 today. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture. I loved it as a little girl, and lately the Lord has just continued um, to speak to me through this Scripture. Um, and I'm really excited about what Jesus is saying because he's teaching us how to live in abundance. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, uh, work smarter, not harder? Right? The goal is to find an easier way to do something that there, I, I tend to be, I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I tend to be a work harder, not smarter person where I'll work really hard at something when somebody could do it way easier and way better. And so I, I'm learning because my brother was always the work smarter. When he was 12, he started extreme couponing. Now, I don't know if you guys know any 12-year-old boys that extreme coupon, but I'm not talking like he cuts out coupons out of a magazine. I'm talking my brother had 10,000 followers on Instagram of middle-aged moms that he was giving advice on how to coupon to. And so I would go to work. I would babysit. I would work for six hours. I'd make under 60 bucks. And, you know, it's hard work with kids. You're, I was babysitting all day. I would come home. And my brother would have gone to the grocery store, purchased 300 bottles of vitamins, and somehow they paid him $300 to walk out the door with them. And then he would sell them and make further profit. And I was like, this kid is making more money in five minutes than I'm making in six hours. And, and I was so frustrated, but he just had this niche for being a smarter way of working. And, and I always found it annoying 
but um because I'm a work harder not smarter person <laughs> but when we were kids we I remember we one time we were trying to help my dad we wanted to bless him we wanted to serve him we had a really big yard and so we thought we'll cut the grass for him piece of cake and so me and my two siblings, we went to our kitchen, we grabbed some pairs of baby scissors, and we went outside and we just began to cut the grass piece by piece. And I'm sure as you can imagine, that would take a really long time. <laughs> and so we're cutting piece by piece, not even thinking about how long the project's gonna take. Like we're thinking we'll, we'll have this done by the end of the day. And my dad came over and saw us doing it. He probably got a, a good laugh out of it. Um, and I don't think he was trying to negate our actions, but he's like, do you know that we have a tractor that we can take? And he would invite us to sit on his lap and he would take us on the tractor and show us how we could go around the whole yard on a way faster span of time than we were gonna be able to do with our scissors. And our desires were good, our motives were to help, but my father, who had more knowledge than me, came along and said, but there's a better way. He, he knew what he was doing, and so he came to teach us and say, I know where your heart is. I know that you desire to serve, but let me show you that there is a better way. And I believe that's kind of what's happening in this passage of John 15, that Jesus desires for his disciples to walk in the fullness of his presence, for his disciples to live in abundance. But he says, there is a better way. So we're going to go ahead and pick up and read, starting in verse 1. And he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you, for no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Again, there is a tree that is always fruitful, and it is the one that is planted by the water. There is a person that is always fruitful, and it is the one who abides in the presence of Jesus. I read this, I don't know how many times, before it, it finally hit me that it says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, I have a tendency to see the areas of my life that need fixing and to want to go about fixing them and tweaking them myself, right? This is kind of what we do with New Year's resolutions. You're like, I need to get in shape, so I'm going to make a strategy. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to the gym at 6 a.m. And then I'm going to eat a piece of avocado toast. And then I'm going to make a protein shake. And then I'm going to do a late night walk to burn off the calories that I had for lunch. And, and you'll make a whole strategy and a plan. And you'll get really excited, but then by March it will die out. And then I'll get so frustrated with myself that I'm not able to do everything right in my own ability and in my own strength. But the thing is, Jesus never asked us to do that. It says that he will cut off the branches that are bearing no fruit, meaning the things in me that don't belong there, meaning the sins in me that I'm like, man, why am I being so impatient? Why do I sense this pride? It's actually not my job to take care of it. It's his job. It's just my job to abide. He says, abide in my presence, remain in me, and I will cut off the branches that are bearing no fruit. And the best part is the ones that are bearing fruit, it says that he will make them even more fruitful if we abide in him, if we abide in his presence. 
because it's not our responsibility to make ourselves clean. It's just our responsibility to abide. Just like you can't go to the gym and, and only work out your abs and expect to have a six-pack, you can't spot treat issues of sin. It's an all-or-nothing thing. And, and I think it's a lot better when we leave that job to be the master gardener. So my encouragement to you is if you've made a list of New Year's resolutions or if you haven't yet, to just move them, shift them all down a bit, and just put abide at the top. Because there's something that happens when we abide in the presence of Jesus, when we, we seek the presence of Jesus, and when we put him first, right? So I say, okay, I, I need to get in shape. What I'm really saying is I'm lacking self-discipline. Scripture says the Spirit of God gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So now, as I abide in the presence of Jesus, my self-discipline is increasing. And because my self-discipline is increasing, it's easy for me to get out of bed at 7 a.m. and go to the gym. Now, when I go to the gym, I'm having a desire to eat healthier food because I just worked out. Now, because I'm eating healthier now, I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to get a better quality of sleep. I'm going to have a higher level of productivity throughout the day. And because I'm getting a better quality of sleep, it's going to be easier for me to wake up at 7 a.m the next morning when I go to the gym. And now I have a sustainable lifestyle that all started from just simply abiding in the presence of Jesus. If your goal is financial stability, then you abide in the presence of Jesus and he begins to increase your wisdom. He begins to increase your discernment. He begins to increase self-control. And I abide in the presence of Jesus for my marriage. He begins to increase patience. He begins to increase love, self-sacrificing. And all these fruits are beginning to come out of me as response to one simple action that I have made. You see, when we abide in the presence of Jesus, instead of just trying to treat the symptoms, Jesus goes to the root of the issue, and he has his way. Now, if your goal is to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or feed koalas or work at a Dairy Queen, then you may have to go about that one yourself. <laughs> but if your goal is to grow as a person, if your goal is to grow and see more of God in your life, to experience more of his fullness this year, then I would just encourage you to abide in the presence of Jesus. And now when I see sin, I, I no longer feel guilty or shameful because the presence of my sin only reveals the absence of abiding. And so usually when, when sin starts to show up, and it's usually more than one at once, I'll be like, man, when was the last time I read my Bible? When was the last time the first thing I did in my day was fixate my attention on Jesus? When was the last time I just sat and quieted all noise around me and listened to what the voice of the Lord was speaking? And usually it had been a while, and it makes perfect sense why um, certain things are coming out of me. So when we abide, God makes us look more like him. He gives us more of his character. He makes us holy. He makes us pure. And I think if we're not careful, we can associate godliness with goodness. But goodness is not godliness. To be a Christian is not just to be good, it's to be like God. And, and goodness may be a fruit of godliness, but it does not equal the same thing. We have to be careful as Christians because we can become so easily known for what we do or what we don't do rather than the one that we serve. That people can know us for what we stand for more than the one we worship. And so when we start with Jesus, what he does is he gives us the character of Christ. He gets to the hidden places of our heart that we don't even recognize, don't look like him, where our intentions, our motives are impure, where our thoughts don't align with his thoughts, where our ways don't align with his ways, and he molds us to his character. When we abide, God makes us look more like him. And secondly, we bear 
fruit. We're going to go ahead and pick up in verse 5. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The only response to the presence of Jesus is fruit, is that we would have a life that is fruitful and that is rich. And for a minute, I want to take aside the analogy because I know we can get caught up in a garden and, and talk about, what, well, what does fruit practically look like in my life? How do I know that I, I am bearing fruit and that it is rich? And, and I want to talk about it in three different ways that I believe this fruit can come. The first is an internal fruit. Um, it's the fruit of the Spirit, as you read in Galatians, the goodness, the faithfulness, the patience, gentleness, self-control, right? There's something that changes inward between how we view the world around us. There's something that happens, and sometimes you don't even recognize it until you stop seeking Jesus, and then you're like, man, why am I getting so ir easily irritated today? And then you recognize, man, all this time that I've been seeking Jesus, he has been doing something to my heart that I didn't even recognize. There's this internal fruit that the Lord is cultivating and that the Lord will grow in you. You become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit to live and move through you. Second, I believe fruit can look like sometimes actual tangible blessings. Why do I say this? He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, imagine if you're living a life of sin and God answers your every prayer, right? That, that if every single Christian that claimed to be a Christian, every prayer they ever prayed was answered, it would make God a, a genie in a bottle and it would not bring glory to his name when we did not live it out in our lives. But Jesus says, when, when you are abiding in his presence, you are no longer servants, you're no longer slaves, you become a friend of Jesus. Now, I've been staying at the Espeseth home, and Emily and Anna, when I first got there, they told me, they're like, you can help yourself to whatever you want in the fridge. They're like, anytime you want to eat, you're welcome to eat, you're, you're welcome to have anything. Now, I'm just going to be honest, no matter how many times you say that, there's absolutely no way I'm walking into the Espeseth kitchen, opening their fridge, and taking whatever I want whenever I want out of it. <laughs> Because I have not gained that level of intimacy to feel I have that kind of access to their household. But with Jesus, a lot of times we assume we have no relationship with him. We have no conversation with him, yet we're making prayers and we're making petitions like we have full access to the kingdom of God. But when we become a friend of God, when we're abiding in his presence, when we're seeking him, it says, you are a friend. Ask whatever you wish and it shall be yours. He says, you have full access to the kingdom of God. And it is actually to my glory that I would answer your prayers. It is actually to my glory that I may show the world that you are my disciples. So I will answer. And I, I want to be clear, I'm not pre preaching on like a prosperity gospel that if you start abiding in the presence of Jesus, tomorrow you're a billionaire. I can tell you from the fruit of my life, that is not the case. <laughs> but I am saying that Jesus knows what he's doing. And he knows that if you're abiding in the presence of Jesus, your desires are going to mold to his. And so your prayers are going to look a little different. You're going to start desiring things that look a little different. 
And I don't think there's anything wrong with coming before the Lord and saying, God, I would love a 2020 white Toyota Camry that has low mileage on it. (laughs) And I believe that the Lord can honor those prayers. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, God, I I want a different job or God, I, I want this specific need in my life. But I do think that when your desires begin to mold to those of Jesus, you begin to pray differently, you begin to pray boldly, and you begin to approach the throne of the Lord and say, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that a sex trafficking victim would be set free. And when I pray that prayer, I believe that it's true because it's what the word of God says. He says, ask whatever you wish in my name and it shall be done. That if I say, God, in Jesus' name, I pray that an orphan that does not have a family right now, that you would place them into a family that loves them and that cares for them. I believe that when I pray that prayer, it is done in Jesus' name. That I say, God, right now, I pray that if there is somebody that has a sickness that has yet to be diagnosed, that you would just bring healing to their body. And I believe that it's done because I believe that what the word of God says is true. And I may never see the fruit of my prayers, but I can tell you that I will surely see the fruit of what happens if I don't pray. And so I have to start living like I believe the word of God is true. There is a tree that is always fruitful, and it is the one that is planted by the water. There is a person that is always fruitful, and it is the one who abides in the presence of Jesus. And what happens is sometimes that tree, you'll be planted by the water, you'll receive your blessing, you'll receive your favor, And then you'll go on over here, you'll start living your life, and suddenly that house that you prayed for gets flooded, and the carpets are ruined, and you have to buy all new carpets. Suddenly that marriage you prayed for, you guys begin to start arguing, you begin to start not seeing eye to eye. Man, suddenly that job that you prayed for, you get a manager that treats you terribly, and you'll begin to wonder what happened to all the fruit. And if you're not careful, if you're not remaining with the presence of Jesus, you may even curse the very blessings that you prayed for. But the scripture doesn't promise that the tree will not face heat. It doesn't promise that the tree will not face drought. It doesn't promise that the tree will not face changing seasons. But what it says is that in every season, the tree will remain fruitful. And so if we're not careful to stay abiding in the presence of Jesus, we will lose the fruit. And that when our challenges, when challenges come or when situations around us begin to change, we will walk in ways that are not of the Lord and we will begin to desire things of the world because we think the things of the Lord hasn't satisfied our soul. So I encourage you, abide in the presence of Jesus. So we have this internal fruit, we have these tangible blessings, but I believe there's a third thing a third kind of fruit, and and that's external fruit. I believe that there's something that God is doing that is so great inside of you that it simply must come out. I remember I had the opportunity to go ziplining one time, and I had never been ziplining before, and I was really excited. It was really small and like a little camp. It was pretty short, but I'm standing at the end, and I'm watching from a distance as people come flying down, and I'm getting really excited. I've, I've never done it. They're getting ready to give me my gear, and then you go start walking up. And so the person comes down. I put the gear on. Me and my friend Chloe, we begin to walk closer and closer to where we're going to climb up to zip line. And, and the more we start walking, I'm realizing that I was a whole lot excited for somebody that was afraid of heights. And, and we get closer, and it starts to seem higher and higher. And I begin to turn back around, and I'm like, I could just give this to someone else. Like, one of these people has got to want to do it more than I do. I'll just give the equipment, let them go. But I keep walking, and I keep going. That's why I start to climb up the stairs, and it gets higher, and it gets higher. 
and now my heart starts beating, and now I'm starting to get nervous, and now I'm starting to shake, and I don't usually get anxious, but now I'm at the top of this cliff, and I'm not ready to jump, and cliff is a very generous word, <laughs> and so I'm up there. I'm on the ledge. Now, literally, the only thing I have to do is I have to jump off, but I'm too afraid, and I'm looking out at everybody, and, and now I feel pressure because I know that they want what I have. I know that they cannot experience what I'm about to experience until I take the first step. And in my fear, my friend Chloe, she looks at me and she says, Julie, she says, just look at me and jump. And so I turn and I look at her face and I jump. And it's exhilarating. It's actually pretty slow. It's not that scary at all. I get to the ground and I'm already ready to go again. And I'll never forget that moment because I felt the Lord speak. But man, many of us, we have this vision for our lives. We have these dreams. Man, we have a desire to be used by God. And from a distance, it is exhilarating. It is exciting. And it is easy to say yes to the call to follow Jesus from a distance. But then when you start to walk, you look back for a moment and you're like, I don't know, maybe there's somebody more qualified than me. Maybe there's somebody that could do this better than me. Maybe I should just go ahead and pass this off to somebody else. But the Lord says, no, I have filled you and I have anointed you and I have called you for such a time as this because there is something inside of you that is meant to come out of you. And it's not always easy following Jesus. There are moments where you have to lay down your selfish desires, where you have to lay down your pride, where you have to be willing to say, Lord, have your way in me. Even when he begins to remove branches that you thought you needed, even when he begins to prune things in you that you thought you wanted, it can begin to get hard, and you're climbing, and it gets higher, and it gets higher, and you're looking out at the world in need, a world that is waiting for you to say yes to fully following Jesus, a world that is waiting for what you have, that has no hope, that is waiting to experience a love, that is waiting to experience the power of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God. And Jesus just says, just look at me and jump. I can tell you this. If it is the face of Jesus that gets you jumping, it is the feet of Jesus that will keep you going. But as you seek his presence, he will sustain you, and I believe that he will do immeasurably more in you than beyond your wildest dreams, than beyond anything you could ask for. And my prayer for 2023 is that we would desire this eternal fruit to, to resemble Christ, that we would desire the blessings, but man, that we would desire to be a vessel for the Lord that we would desire for what God is doing in us to come out of us, that we would not just come to church to experience the presence of God, but that we would come already full of the presence of God because God is doing something where he is changing our desires to be more like him. When we abide, God makes us more like him. We bear fruit, and, and I would regret it if I didn't say this third thing that happens, and that is that you find that Jesus is the blessing. Let's read in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. God desires abundance in your life. He desires full joy in your life. And he's not telling this to restrict you or to limit you. He's telling you so that you can experience the fullness of what he has for you. And I believe that when we start to seek the face of Jesus, we find that, man, Jesus, you are the greatest reward. And at the end of 2023, if, I, if nothing on my list is accomplished, but I get more of Jesus, then I'm satisfied. 
And then on the contrary, if I get everything I want, but I don't have Jesus, then I don't want it because Jesus is my reward. Jesus is my blessing. Man, I just want the presence of Jesus and nothing else, and so I will abide in his presence. That's my New Year's resolution. I will fixate my attention on it. I will schedule my routine around it because I know that there is no greater treasure that is found in Jesus alone. And so I encourage you today or or tomorrow to write out a rule of what that will look like in your life, of reading the Bible, of, of worshiping Jesus, of having conversations with God in your car on the way to work or in the shower, finding a time that's good for you. I've created a habit of taking 15 minutes a day just to shut off all noise. If it wasn't so cold outside, I'd say go outside, (laughs) maybe turn the music off and everything, and you just listen and hear what is the Lord speaking, and then I write it down. But I encourage you to pray, what will this look like for you in 2023 to abide in the presence of Jesus? And I want to go ahead and, and I'm going to close out in prayer. And I want to pray for two people um, in this room. And you guys can go ahead and bow your heads. But I want to pray for those that say, I just want more of Jesus. No matter how much you've experienced, if you think you've hit your cap, I just want more. God, I want to know more of who you are. I want to see more of heaven unleashed over my life. I want to know that you are my reward, God. I want the fullness of you in my life. And I also want to pray for the one who maybe you want to want more of Jesus, but you're just not there yet. And if your desire is to desire more of Jesus, that's okay. I believe that Jesus sees your heart. He sees your desires, and he's going to honor that. And so if either one of those people is you, I'll just ask that you would raise your hand for a moment. You desire more of Jesus for 2023. I'm going to pray over you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you that you are with us, that you have never left our side, that you have never failed us for one moment. God, we honor you and we glorify you in this place. God, I pray that for 2023, our lives would be marked by your love. Our life would be marked by your goodness, that God, we would seek after you, that we would desire more of you. And God, I pray that we would encounter you, that you would unleash your spirit over us like never before, that we would see you in ways like we've never seen you, that God, we would begin to think your thoughts, that God, we would walk in your footsteps, God, we would speak your words. I, I pray that God, we would begin to move in your power. I pray that over this church, Lord, you would release signs and wonders and miracles and healings, God. I I pray that every Sunday, God, that they would be seeing you move, that in their quiet times, they would be seeing you move, that in their, their moments alone with you, God, that they would be encountering your presence so tangibly, that you are a God that is so real and so personal to them. God, would you mold our desires and would you have your way in us in 2023? In Jesus' name, amen.